But really, the ad is, I said it earlier, it's the next best thing to the watch. It's, it's, it's real. It's from the same era. And, you know, for me, it's like, it's the closest I'm going to come to a lot of watches. And, and honestly, you know, having an original Nautilus ad hanging up in our home, I'm as content as if I were to own the watch. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Collector's Gene Radio. This is all about diving into the nuances of collecting and ultimately finding out whether or not our guests have what we like to call the collector's gene. If you have the time, please subscribe and leave a review. It truly helps. Thanks a bunch for listening, and please enjoy today's guest on Collector's Gene Radio. Today we're chatting with Nick Fredowicz, the proprietor of Ad Patina, a company that sources, sells, and frames vintage advertisements ranging from watches and cars all the way to Eames chairs. Now, I've been following Nick for a few years now and watching his business grow and flourish and really getting hooked on vintage advertisements myself. But Nick's a watch and ad collector at heart. And while he can't keep everything as it's his business, he has this immense passion for what he does. And we'll tell you firsthand that these pieces really invoke a feeling of excitement just from looking at them, especially if they're framed. And I can attest to that. Now, there's a lot of exciting things in the works at Ad Patina, but I urge you to just check out his website and Instagram just so you can get a sense for how great this stuff really is. These make for a great collection for yourself or even a gift, and I can promise you they won't break the bank. So I apologize in advance for giving you all something else to spend your money on, but it's really just too good to not share. So here you go, Nick at Ad Patina for Collector's Gene Radio. Nick, a.k.a. Ad Patina, welcome to Collector's Gene Radio. Hey, Cameron. Thanks for having me, man. My absolute pleasure. Um, for those that don't know you, I guess a, a quick synopsis is that you, you hunt, collect, sell, you know, buy, find. Your, your proprietorship of, of uh, Ad Patina is, is kind of the culmination of all of that, but your place in the overall watch community, if you will, um, and maybe car community as well is quite different than most, right? It, most people are physical watch and car collectors, but what you're doing is you're sourcing and selling these advertisements to collectors. Would you say that's kind of in the wheelhouse there? Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, that, that does happen. Uh, people like myself are out there, which is nice. Uh, I'm not the only one. Uh, in the beginning, I wasn't sure how the ads would be received. Uh, you know, watches, there's so many objects that have a great history and track record of being uh, lusted after and collected. But um, magazine print advertisements haven't had that same um, you know, enthusiasm. And so it's, it's been nice to, over the years, uh, basically share uh, an area of history that I really like and enjoy for many reasons. And uh, through you know, Instagram and my website, I share these original magazine print ads and I share the reasons why I like them. And again, the reason varies could be, it's just beautiful. It could be, it's, um, you know, very uh, unique or hard to find. I don't like to use the word rare. Uh, but anyways, the number of reasons why I love the ads, which, you know, there's a lot of reasons people love watches. And then it's, it's been nice to see over the years, uh, other Again, other people like me have a similar interest. And uh, 
yeah, at the end of the day, you know, the ads do sell and they go to good homes, I think. They're gifted. People uh, buy them for a variety of reasons. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice to see the, the market for vintage uh, ads come about. And uh, I think the way that I go about doing it is the, you know, have a collector mentality and, uh, you know, being a watch person and, and loving watches. And it's just really nice to collect watches and, and do something in the watch world, um, but not with physical watches, with the next best thing, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've effectively found a way for collectors like me to find something else to collect in, in the same realm, which are these advertisements. And I personally, I try and buy them for items that are in my personal collection. Um, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I'm curious how all of this came about. I mean, where did your love for watches and, and maybe cars and, and then subsequently vintage advertisements come from? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people who, who know of me uh, know my watch story. Basically, um, in 1998, so this is going to be going on 25 years ago, I basically saved money from a, a minimum wage job and uh, bought myself a Rolex Datejust. And I bought it during a high school class trip uh, to Paris. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more I could like reminisce about and go down memory lane. And again, No, please do. It's an immensely important moment in my life um, for a lot of reasons. You know, just setting a goal, just getting this, you know, why I wanted to watch. I wanted to own something that I had nothing to do with collecting. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, you know, a lot of times, you know, watches are purchased today because someone's a collector. Uh, they, they're, they're into watches. They love the history. They love, you know, the movement, etc. Um, back then it was really, um, I wanted to own one nice object that I could have with me my whole life. And if I was going to spend this money, um, which was about $2,000 at the time, I wanted to buy something that would last. And, you know, I, I landed on a Rolex watch. And part of the reason I landed on a Rolex watch was I owed to the advertisements. So this was 1998. So again, you know, when I remember going to the doctors, you know, I would be in a waiting room waiting to get go to the dentist or and, uh, you know, you're not on a, you know, nowadays everyone's on a cell phone in the dentist office waiting to get called in, you know, they're scrolling through, you know, there were no cell phones then. And so you, there were magazines. So you picked up a magazine and you flipped through it while you waited. And uh, I remember seeing Rolex ads in magazines and, uh, they, they, um, jumped out at me, you know, they were very, I was very impressionable and I was, um, you know, it would really, it, the ads reinforced this uh, watch as being this indispensable, you know, really um, great essential tool that a lot of adventurers depended on. So obviously it was, uh, it's going to be something that would, would last and hold up uh, based on the marketing. And also, you know, it seemed like an object that people purchased when they were, um, you know, at the height of their profession or something that they uh, rewarded themselves with when they, you know, did good work. And I, I, all those things resonated with me. And so, you know, it was a combination of, of reasons why I landed on a Rolex. But yeah, so that's kind of going back 25 years now, um, how I got started with watches and how I got 
introduced to magazine advertisements. And, you know, nowadays I, I, it's kind of come full circle. You know, I, I make a living and, uh, it's really nice to do the business that I do because again, it, it really reminds me of, you know, the early days, which I'm really fond of. I'm a very nostalgic person. And then as far as getting into ads, what I do today, you know, it's probably going back five or six years and, um, you know, I, I want to own more watches, but they're, 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 they're expensive, at least my taste. And, uh, there, there are a lot of competition for them and they're hard to come by. You know, there's so many great watch dealers out there. There's just a lot of watch dealers in general. So, you know, when people have things, I love the hunt, right? I love, um, I, I, my preferred way to acquire a watch is from an original owner, um, or a family member. The most difficult kind. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just, um, you know, again, everybody who collects things, you know, they have a strategy. They like to, they, they enjoy certain aspects of it. And, um, you know, one of the things I really love is just, is just the, the, the hunt and the, um, for lack of a better word, the transaction, you know, that, that, that has to take, that ultimately takes place because it's, it's never, it's never always smooth, right? When you work with a dealer, it's probably smooth. You know, there's the watch and there's a price and you, maybe you negotiate and you wire money and get it sent to you and it's kind of done. And, uh, when you're dealing with individuals, there's always, um, you know, just kind of craziness that happens. And I love that, um, that, that part of the, the acquisition, um, bringing something into the collection. I love to have that on um, story to go along with maybe the, the story, um, you know, that's ultimately going to accompany the watch, you know, w- when I wear it and, and do things with it. But, um, but yeah, anyways, it got really hard to collect watches, um, for a lot of reasons. And so I, I really, you know, have this urge to want to collect and, and some collect watches, but I like can't because again, they're just, they're, they're expensive. And, and so I, I thought to myself, I know of ads. I, I've seen images of ads. I, I know these exist, right? Sometimes they would pop up occasionally in uh, an article, a reference, but I never, um, I didn't have them in my hand. I couldn't hold them. I didn't have this physical, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, have it in my hand because I wasn't sure. Like, is it a real ad? Is it something that was Photoshopped? Is it sales catalog? Is it actually in a magazine? And I don't know, it just really appealed to me to try to like hunt ads because I have to go through all the same methods to find, you know, these ads as I, as I, as I do trying to find a watch the way I prefer to find them. And it just, you know, the process really appealed to me, you know, trying to find something. Right. Scouring magazines, flea markets, eBay. Yeah, it's everything. I mean, it's just, you know, you just get your, I like to get my hands dirty and I like to, you know, get out there in the world and I like to communicate with people and talk to people, you know, um, you know, it's fun to get packages in the mail. It's fun to discover things. It's fun to share things that you find. Um, I mean, I have so many great, um, great friends, you know, that are amazing collectors. And I, you know, I love when they find like a fresh watch, you know, like I just know that it didn't come from a dealer. It just, they, they, you know, they, they've got their ways and, and they've got their, their network and, oh my God, how did you just come up with this? Like this watch was like buried in a time capsule. It's like, right. Speedmaster it's never been worn. Uh, wow. You know, that's a thrill. And, um, you know, I, I get, I, I say it to this day and, and I really am honest, uh, it's really honest. Like when I get the same thrill, the same excitement level, you know, finding certain ads as I would if, if, if it was the watch. And it's because of how I 
think about these ads. You know, it's it's how how special I feel they are. Not everyone feels it that way, and that's fine. But um, yeah, they they've really taken the planning ads, collecting ads, um, ha- has really taken the place of me needing watches. <laughs> um, I mean, I want more, but I, I'm not like buying for a new one tomorrow. Is there a fine line between you, you know, buying the ads for your business and then also collecting them for yourself? Yeah. In the beginning, you know, I, I didn't go into this thinking I was going to have a business. It was just to collect right for myself and to, and I shared them on my Instagram. And then eventually, you know, I was encouraged to, to sell them. And it was a, it was a tough decision a little bit because I was like, you know, well, what if I can't find it again? You know, this is like hard to find. And I kind of reconciled it pretty quickly because, you know, part of the fun is the hunt. And you know what, if I sell something, I can find it again. And that's just how, how it goes. You know, there's a lot of watch dealers that cannot keep the watches that they, they find because they have a business to run. And it's, it's the same thing. And also, I've gotten to know so many people. And it's nice to know where ads go. And it feels good knowing where, they're, where the ads are going, right? Like I, the way my business works, I communicate with everybody. And I know I have a chance to interject. I have a chance to talk to everybody. I have a, people have a chance to ask questions. So no one goes on a website and just clicks and buys something. And then it gets packed up and sent. And so when someone wants an ad, let's say that's a hard to find ad, like, ooh, I'm on the fence about selling it. Ooh, I don't know when I'll have it again. You know, I know that person and chances are that person is someone that's, they've been along for the ride for years, you know, and it feels good. Like, Hey, I don't mind. I don't mind selling this parting with it because I know it's going to so-and-so and man, if I ever needed it back, I'm sure we could work something out or, you know, even if not, it's just, it's wonderful to know, you know, X person or Y person and they're proud of it. But yeah, in the beginning, you know, everything had to go right. Because you're, you're, you're starting a business. You need to sell things. You need to like get a track record, you know, reputation. Nowadays, it's a little different. I'm a lot stingier. (laughs) Um, I use that (laughs) word, uh, letting things go. Because, um, you know, five plus years in, I know a lot about availability. I know a lot about, you know, how hard it's going to be to replace something. I know a lot more about uh, my customer base. I know a lot more about pricing. So yeah, certain ads, it's kind of developed. I kind of have a little bit of everything, right? Like I have I'm like a watch dealer that sells like Seiko and Paul Newman's, right? I have everything. <laughs> right. So, you know, over time, and, and this is a credit to, you know, there's just been so much interest in the ads that, you know, certain ads have separated themselves from the, from the pack for a variety of reasons. You know, they've just proven that they're great. You know, people love them. They just respond to them. They want to frame them. They're just beautiful. They're, you know, they're historic, you know, people know they're, people kind of know they're hard to find and they want to own something that's, um, you know, on the rarer side. And so, um, yeah, today, um, you know, I, 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 I do hold back some ads, you know, whether they're reserved for making sure they really go to the right home or, you know, people who've been with you for a long time and supported you, you want to make sure they get a chance to, um, you know, kind of get a first crack at something. You know, I think that's only natural. And, um, so I, I think one of my responsibilities, you know, over the years, I've kind of taken on, I kind of put a lot of responsibilities on my shoulders now because there's a, there's a market um, and there's, a, there's an, an interest in these ads. And, um, and so it's, it's kind of my job to also um, archive and save stuff, right? Like, so I, I do save stuff now to have it because that, that it's, it's not for sale because I don't know when I'll ever have it again. And 
you know, I need to have a record of this. I need to have this, this real original object. Um, and, you know, I've told many people, you know, someone wants something. I'm like, well, I only have one right now. And when I get another one, then I'll make one available. Right. Because it's, it, for me, it's now it's, I mean, yeah, it's important to um, run a business and, but it's also important to be a, you know, a, a, a kind of an archivist or, you know, um, you know, have these preserved for, for the future. I don't know what the future holds for the ads. Um, and, um, I'm sure a lot of watch dealers wish that they just like, you know, saved stuff, you know, like they just, but you know, they couldn't for some reason, you know, and, and that happens to me sometimes. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? It's just time for this one to go. I know I'll find it again, you know, but there are some ads that are just like, whew, I don't know when I'm ever going to have it again. And I tell people all the time, like, Hey, I don't have that one. And, and this kind of leads into like pricing, you know, uh, people will reach out for to me about an ad and, and sometimes it's very, you know, it's a very, you know, normal ad, let's say, right. Like it's not, it's nothing hard to find. It just comes down to, you know, let's find, let's make sure you get a really nice condition one. But sometimes, you know, some of the pricing is a bit, is a bit crazy. <laughs> and, um, it's that way. Um, it doesn't just happen out of the blue, you know, it happens over the years, you know, there's a, again, there's kind of a history with ads and, and things selling. And, and so I'll, I'll tell some people, sometimes I'll be like, you know, I know you want this ad. I haven't had it in a long time. This is one that I might get one a year, to be honest. And, um, you know, I kind of set expectations, what they're getting themselves into with the weight and the price. And so, yeah, pricing's all over the place. I, I said before, you know, I'm, I love being the only one doing this, at least the way I do it, um, to the, to the, the level and the lengths that I go to, uh, whether it's, you know, sourcing or, or, you know, talking to people or framing, you know, I'm, I'm very involved in, in, in the business and, and I love all aspects of it. But, um, you know, pricing had to start somewhere years ago. I had to think about, um, you know, what I would pay for something, you know, um, I had to think about the time it took to find it, you know, different other, other, you know, other little costs that go into things like shipping and, you know, and then, you know, I had to think about what, what is it that I have in my hand? You know, how, how will people, how will people react to an original Nautilus ad? You know, when, when, when it's 2000 and I guess when, when I start like 2017, I've got an original Nautilus ad in my hand, right? Um, I don't know much about this ad. Um, I don't know what what the universe looks like for this ad. I don't know if there's a zillion of them, if there's one of them, but you got to start with a price somewhere. So you just kind of start with a, with a base and then you kind of adjust from there based on what you feel like you've got. And it, it's really about gut. It's really about instinct. It's what I believe something's the value. Um, and that's a weird place for me to be. And I've talked about it with people. It's an exciting place to be. You know, if I, if I became a watch dealer tomorrow and I had inventory, you know, I, I, I have a, there's a lot of people doing selling watches and there's a, there's a, there's a range for pricing. And, and so I don't, you know, there's always little tweaks you can make, you know, if something has box and papers or condition, but you know, for the most part, there's a system in place and, you know, with ads, I didn't invent selling ads. I didn't invent framing an ad, but I don't, but I think the people that have done it in the past, they're not passionate watch collectors. Right. And, and so they don't recognize if they've got two, a tech ads in front of them, right? And they've got one that's an ellipse, maybe, and one that's a, a, a Nautilus. You know, to that person who just ripped them out of a magazine, they are equivalent, right? But, but, but to a watch person, those are not equivalent, right? Um, and, and so the price shouldn't be equivalent, you know? And so I think that's one of the, um, you know, that was a, a, an interesting place for me to be back in the day using my, you know, watch knowledge, and also 
I guess my eye for, for, for ad spotting, you know, what I thought was a good ad. Again, I don't have a background in advertising and I'm not an authority on giving out awards for like most effective ads. Um, it's just, it really comes from my heart and my brain and just, Hey, this looks like a beautiful ad. And you've done this long enough that you know what you've seen over the last few years and how many and how many you haven't seen of certain ads. And I would say 75% of what I sell is very simple to price, right? There's a system to it and that I pretty much stick to. But there's 25% of the ads, let's say, that are um, hard to price and, and hard to know what to do with. It's a day-to-day decision. It's a game-time decision because um, it might be something I have that I only got one of them. I don't know when I'm going to find another, like I said. But it doesn't mean the ad is rare. doesn't mean it's hard to find. It might just be a drought, right? Might, maybe I'll find 10 next week. Or maybe it's true and it will prove that it is going to be hard to find. So I, I deal with that all the time. Like, you know, what do I, what do, I do with stuff? But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm always available to talk to people. I talk to people all the time on the phone. I'm happy to take extra pictures. I mean, go to any length people need me to go to for any ad, any size, size project, so that people know exactly what they're getting and they know about it. Um, I think it's, it's not exciting for me to just sell something. It's exciting for me to share something and then educate people about it to the extent that they want to know about it. You know, I'll talk to someone for an hour on the phone about a $35 ad. You know, that's probably not efficient for business, but oftentimes I don't view this, what I do as a business. It's just my, it's my passion. It's like what I love to do. And yeah, I can talk about and geek out, you know, nerd out over an ad and all the little aspects of it, you know, just like you can a watch talk about, you know, the, the, the fonts and the, and the, and the dimensions and the, this and that. But, um, but yeah, pricing, last thing I'll say is, you know, sometimes it's really just about like, you know, you start somewhere and then, Hey, maybe an ad, I just think it's beautiful. So I'm going to mark it up a little bit just because it's gorgeous. And then maybe I mark it up a little bit more because it's hard to find. And maybe it gets marked up a little more because it's um, very popular, you know? And so it's just, it's an equation and it's, it's, I don't know, it's, I don't know what kind of equation it is. It's, it's calculus, trigonometry. It's all these things. <laughs> one. But um, I don't know. It's, it's fun to price stuff. <laughs> it's fun to, it's, it's been really great to like, again, introduce ads to people who, who didn't necessarily um, pay attention to them. Um, I mean, I, I mean, even myself, I am each day, you know, as the weeks roll on, I get more excited about the ads and, and different areas that I want to dive into to, um, to talk about and to share, you know, different aspects of the ads um, and, and doing a variety of, of, of products and brands really allows me to um, just kind of, it's a huge topic and it's just, it's always hard to know where to start when it, when it comes to discussing it. A lot of people would probably think, you know, finding these ads would be fairly easy. Um, but it's, it's really not, especially when it comes to some of the rare ones and they can go on your website and see ads between call it 45 and $95. But when it comes to the really, really rare stuff, that's really not making it to your website, right? It's just going based off of a client list or, you know, someone's having you source something. Um, if someone wants to come and do that with you, what can they usually expect in terms of a range to pay for something that's really, really rare? So nowadays, um, there are, like again, I said there are certain ads that have kind of proven themselves over time, meaning they have a great track record of, of, of people being interested in them, ultimately you know, purchasing them. And there's also um, knowledge that I have these days where I may find an ad tomorrow and I may have never sold it before, 
but I know based on sort of similar ads that this is one of those ads and, and I'm going to kind of speed up the process of, uh, giving it its, um, pedestal, you know, and then maybe the pricing that goes along with it. And so there's a number of ads now that if somebody wanted to buy one and it was framed, it would probably be six ninety five to nine ninety five, all in. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to, um, ask that price because it is a bit of a jump, but I have some people that tell me I don't charge enough <laughs> and, <laughs> That's and, good. and, and yeah, it's, I mean, but I don't, I mean, I listen, but I also, it's one person or two people. Right. And, and, uh, and, you know, I really want ads to be enjoyed by everyone. Um, I love selling a variety, but you know, I can't have every watch, right? Like I can't, I can't go and call up Eric Wynn tomorrow and be like, yeah, I'll take that big crown sub. And, uh, I can't afford that. I, I can't buy that watch, right? Like that's not for me. Any, it's not for me. But when you can, he'll find it for you. Well, it, it's just, I, I don't want to ever be that person that says, oh, you know, this, this is not for you. You know, you gotta, you know, but, but that's how watches work, right? Like I, I, I mean, it's unfortunate, but like, I, I can't buy a vintage Daytona. You know, I would love one. I would, you know, I would love to own one. Maybe someday, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll save up, I'll splurge, I'll, you know, make a crazy financial decision and I'll buy one. But I can't get a vintage Daytona right now. And um, when someone wants a vintage Daytona ad, you know, some of them are on the price on the higher side. You know, there's one from 1967. And um, I'm not going to say it's rare. It's hard to find. Maybe this year, if I had to guess, I would, I might have... I don't know. I'd stay confidently. I could probably find six of them this year. You know, every two months. I thought. That's pretty rare. I mean, if you divide up the amount of time that it would take you to spend and, and look for these, I mean, I would say that that makes that fairly rare, especially given the time period. So that's an ad that, you know, I'm not going to find a ton this year. It's not going to be raining 1967 Daytona ads. Okay. It's a beautiful ad. It's, it's, it, it has, it has of, of all the vintage Daytona ads I've had, you know, talking about four of them from the sixties, you know, full page vintage Daytona ads, that one has performed the best. And I think there's a reason why I think it's just, just visually awesome. You know, the imagery it's, it's, it's a, it's a driver with like racing gloves and, and he there's, he's in like the, you know, the cockpit of a race car and the watch is on his wrist. It's just a really cool ad. Um, it's really a photograph first and then an ad second. And I think people, you know, respond to framing photographs, you know, that's what we're trained to do. And so anyway, a lot of reasons I think it's done well, but you know, forever that ad just, it, that, that ad sells, you know, all day long at a, at a high price. Right. And so the his the future of that ad is going to be, it's going to be constant, right. At that price point at, or, or creep up a little bit potentially. And, you know, part of the reason is because the people who have bought that ad, I, I couldn't just sell it to one person for one price and then sell it to the next person for half the price, right? Like that's not fair. And that's not, no, no watch dealer would do that. I keep using the watch dealer as like an analogy, but I think there's a, it makes sense. You know, it's like, you have to have a consistency. You have to be fair. And, um, you have to go through the same motions with everybody when they reach out to, when they reach out about something talking about, well, what's the condition of this one? You know, maybe the condition isn't as good and we've got a little room for error, you know, a hundred dollars here or there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, and the, there's, there's a number of ads now that are, you know, framed. They're six ninety five, seven ninety five. There's a few that sell for nine ninety five, and um, and then when I say sell, I mean they've sold. And I just think that that I I, I like the market being de- developed and and sort of um being where it's at. 
because I have other Daytona ads, right? Like I have some really great, um, uh, I have other great 1016 ads that, you know, are, are a third or half the price. And so there's other options, right? Um, and so it isn't like every Daytona ad is priced that way. No, there's, you know, three or four out of the 25. But I don't know. I, I try to be fair, try to work with everybody. Again, I'm, I'm an open book to discuss things with people. I give people all the information and then ultimately they will decide. I do like educating and, and you know, you know, and people love to know about their ad. You know, again, there's not a lot of history. There's not a lot of resources out there for people to find out about stuff. So when someone buys that particular ad, you know, I'll tell them, you know, what year it's from and, and I'll give them little bits of information over the years about my experience finding it. And, you know, maybe I'll tell someone where it came from. And, and, and so when they have it in their home or their office or when they're gifting it to someone, it isn't just like, here you go. It's, Hey, this is from 1967. This is the, and they can rattle off some bullet points, just like anyone who owns a watch. They love to share little bits and pieces and factoids about their watch, you know, the nuances of, of their watch, you know, I can go on to the nuances of an ad. And I think that that's just a little, I mean, I would want that, right? Like, I think I view uh, the experience I give to somebody, it's what I would want if I was going to spend $100, $300, $500 on on something, right? I would want that that one-on-one individual attention and be able to ask any question and not be afraid to ask any question and be able to have an open dialogue about like what it is we're working with here. Um, because I want people to be infected the way I was by ads. I want people to feel the energy, you know, have to feel the energy that ads give to me. I want people to feel that energy. And I think, you know, the only way to do that is to just kind of like open up and like kind of go hard and just really like spill my guts to people, whether it's typing a caption on Instagram or whether it's talking to them on the phone, um, you know, with, with watches, there's already a, so there's already been so much um, work that's been done, and, and there's been so much content and so much passion that's poured into watches that it's not hard to fall in love with a GMT, right? Like, let's just you know, as an example, um, it's it, it's a little harder to fall in love with this, this ad. But really, the ad is—I said it earlier—it's the next best thing to the watch. It's 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 real. It's from the same era, and you know, for me, it's like it's the closest I'm going to come to a lot of watches. And, and honestly, you know, having an original Nautilus ad hanging up in our home, I'm as content as if I were to own the watch and maybe I've never owned the Nautilus. And, and if I, if I had the money to do it, I'd probably do something else with the money, you know, a different watch or, or just a different thing. Sure. And so the ad works, man. It's, 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 it's a crazy fraction of the price and it's, it's, it's really beautiful. And there's so much, wrapped up in that ad if you want to dissect it and it gives me pleasure it gives me joy especially when it's just you know a super mint ad and, and it's framed you know precisely and it's it's you know i take care of all the frames i'm i'm really fanatical about um you know being really careful with things and, and making sure stuff is, is just pristine and i can attest i mean they definitely strike a chord i have a few myself and i adore them i love looking at them it you know as i mentioned earlier i collect them based on the watches or models of watches that I own. And to me, that's just like the coolest thing to have to just think back to those times, especially when you collect vintage, right? To, to think back to those times when 
they were putting these watches out into the world and into these advertisements and and the marketing that they were doing behind them to try and get people to buy them is just so different than what they do now. I mean, in my opinion, they really don't do anything now, but we'll get back to that later. Um, what are some advertisements that are being requested from you on a consistent basis? Not brand-wise, because obviously Rolex and Patek and, and Porsche and all those brands are getting requested, but how about a specific advertisement? You know, there isn't one particular ad that's like, you know, I'm selling five of them a week. You know, it's not like that. Um, there, there's well, how about really- this? Are, there, are you getting requests for like the GMT ads, you know, if or the the, the Explorer ads? Are, are some of those the most requested, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, the Matterhorn, the top of the Matterhorn. It's, it's a, it's a, That's such a cool one. <laughs> you know, that, that has been the most requested ad of all time. Not that easy to find either. Very hard now. I should have held on to more. I mean, I have a few right now. Um, I should have held on to more. But it's okay because, again, I, I know the people who have them. And um, it's part of running a business. And uh, it's, a great, it's a great ad. There are certain classic ads that I post that do get a lot of, um, I do get a lot of inquiries about, you know, I would say one is the Eames chair. It's an ad from 1969. It's the Eames lounge chair. And, um, you know, whenever I have that one, you know, pe- people want it right away. Uh, but it's not something people are requesting, right? Sometimes it's like people don't know unless they see it and they're not thinking about it unless they see it. And that's one when, when it pops up, you know, I do get a lot of requests for it. Um, it's, it's extremely difficult to find now. Um, like if, if, if we did that same question, you know, how many do I think I'll find this year? Eames ads, I'd probably cut it in half and be like maybe three this year. I'll find, I'll be, I'd be happy with, you know, once one, one, maybe one a quarter, maybe we'll go four. And are those ads specifically being found in magazines, would you say, or? Well, everything's from a magazine, but that's going to be one of those ads. That's an outlier, you know? condition irrelevant too. You know, sometimes when something is so hard to find, you have to be really willing to um, forgive certain uh, condition issues. You know, Um, there are some ads, you know, like kind of a, you know, a more, um, you know, an ad that's maybe 45 or 65 or $75, you know, that's probably an ad that's not that, that's not terribly difficult to find. And so, um, you know, if I had one and it wasn't great, I would tell the person, hey, just, just hang in there a few weeks and let me find you better. You know, I think it's, I think, you know, part of collecting is being patient. And, and I really, I give people the opportunity to get the best and um, when it's possible. And, and some people do wait, they're very patient. But um, it's not a great answer, um, really. And, and, and I think the, the, what I love about not being able to answer this question with like a firm, like, hey, this is the most requested. This is the, um, is that, I'm getting so much interest from so many different types of people for so many different types of ads, you know, very like unique ads. It's got to be pretty hard to keep track of. You know, I, I, I'm always just, I'm just, I always just gravitate towards, you know, finding ads and pulling ads that I think that I like personally and that I think there's an audience for. Right. And, and I get, and I know I, I talk to people all the time, right. That's my, the Instagram is like a, it's like a, it's like a forum. Right, like everyone's messaging me in the background, right. talking, discussing things. They they're planting seeds. Hey, if you ever find a Volkswagen Golf ad, let me know. So now I'm like, oh, okay. Um, you know, you know, over the course of six months, when I have like four people that ask me about Volkswagen ads, all right, maybe it's time to like pay a little more attention to Volkswagen ads and, and let's 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 find a few. And and those are like you know really satisfying projects to do, especially because 
you know, they're very specific ads that might only be for one person, right? Like the, like the market for that ad might be one person, right? Like the market for the Matterhorn ad is like thousands of people, right? Like so many people would want one. Um, but there are some ads when there's just like, it's like, it's just for one person. And it's cool to be able to like match that up, right? Like find that ad with that person. And, and for that reason, you know, it, it was there, it was the car they learned to drive on when they were younger, you know, it was their first car or something. You know what I mean? They went on a right. road trip with it and it has a memory. And, 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 and so, um, I will say t- nowadays people are really in, interested in the two page ads, which are, um, uh, a little more challenging to do when it comes to framing, but they, 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 they're really great cause they have obviously have a lot more scale. You know, magazines are only so big, right? Well, these are not posters. They're not, you know, large works of art. And so, you know, they can only get so big. And so, um, you know, whenever I post a good two page ad, it, it, they get scooped up pretty quickly. You know, sometimes I'll post a two-page ad and it's like I did one the other day of uh, Daniel Craig. He's like walking on the street and he's wearing a, a Seamaster and there's an Aston Martin and two pages that. and it scooped <laughs> up really quickly, right? And It's incredible. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning as I go and that's really one of the exciting things about doing what I do is that this is new territory, right? Like I get to experiment not only with what I show, but with how I, how I create a framing and, and you get to see, get, I get feedback, you know, when I do a frame with color, do people love color? Do they hate color? And, um, some people have probably been, you know, following for years and all of a sudden you just do one ad in one combination and they're like, oh my God, you know, like the other day someone commented, you know, about something I did and, um, you know, it's, it's nice to get feedback and, and to know what's working and what's not. And, um, you know, I'm constantly tweaking things and being critical and of, of my, of myself. Have you ever, you know, been skimming through a magazine, you know, maybe a year prior and let's say you pass by a, a Volkswagen advertisement and you're like, yeah, it's cool, but not really my thing. I'm not really getting requests for it. And then the next year, a week later, you get a request for it and you've already thrown the, the rest of the magazine out. Oh God. Yeah. I've got, you know, in the beginning, you know, the first couple of years, it was such, it was so much watch emphasis, right? And like some, some automotive stuff, you know, like some Land Rover and Porsche stuff, you know, you know, sort of the brands that I. I knew there was a market for, right? Like, of course, there's Porsche community and then Land Rovers are just great ads. But yeah, I mean, I'm still constantly looking for watch ads. Um, there's so many I know exist. Just like day one, you know, I, I know watch ads exist. I haven't found them yet. And right, that's the thrill. That's what like keeps, that's part of what keeps me going, right? Like this year, I hope to check off, you know, three or four Grail ads, right? That I know exist, but I've never physically had them yet in my hand. I've never possessed the magazine. I've never opened it up. I've never taken it out. And then there's some stuff that nobody knows exists. And I hope to be the person to discover it, right? And I did that a number of times, I think, last year. And um, those are great moments. And so, you know, the watch stuff will continue. But yeah, in the beginning, it was a lot of watch stuff. And, um, you know, I would flip past cars, some car stuff. I would flip past some, you know, ads for uh, travel. You know what I mean? That I wish I had today, you know. It's just, you know, you can't keep everything, you know. Um, You know, you try to recycle things and... You try to use the magazines the best you can, but ultimately, you know, you have to make decisions. And I'm sure watch dealers passed up on stuff, tons of stuff, you know? I mean, I don't know. Of course. I don't want that. Why do I want that? That's not going to sell. Who wants a, who wants a Universal Geneve Tri-Compacts? You know, I'm selling bubble backs, you know, and that's just the nature of it. How about a, a horror story? Have you ever found a perfect ad and then you're tearing it out of the magazine and you accidentally rip it in half? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. And I talk about this stuff, you know, certainly with, with people individually, but, um, you know, people see the, 
people see the the end product, right? Like they, nobody sees what goes on to get there, right? Like whether it's the time or the mistakes. And um, yeah, I can remember, um, you know, a few times where uh, I know I had to, I, you know, talking about the two page ad. So, you know, one of the challenges with a two page ad is you have to basically, you know, obviously extract it and then reconnect it. And um, sometimes, you know, there's imagery right in the middle, you know, and, and that imagery has to line up perfectly to me. And, um, and you only have one, I only have one chance to do it, right? Like, so there's a, there's a very special archival tape, for lack of a better word, that's very safe to use on this, this thin paper. It's not going to harm the paper. It's not going to like, there's no residue that's going to like seep through, you know, it's, it's, you know, when I do framing, you know, there's no shortcuts, right? Like use all the best materials. Cause again, part of part of collecting is like preserving this and having it last forever, right? Like I, I love the idea of rescuing this great ad from a magazine that would otherwise be tossed or who knows, you know, and rescuing it. And now we have to, you know, preserve it because it can last, you know, for a long time. And so I had to put these, two, you know, you got to put two pages together. And basically once the, you know, you so said there's tape on one page and then you've got to lay this other page like perfectly. And you only have one shot because once that paper touches the tape, it's not coming off the tape. So if you have it crooked, <laughs> or if it's overlapped too much, it's it's done. And so I was doing an ad. It was a year ago. It was a year ago, maybe next month. And and someone reached out to me and they wanted this ad. And I had one. It was a two-page datagraph ad. And I was all ready to do it. And I'm telling you, I had it like, I was like filming it like to do a real, like I had a whole thing planned to like, <laughs> show the process because I think it's cool to show the process like what goes on behind the scenes so people understand like you know this stuff doesn't just magically happen like I don't find these things we have to like re to, like sew paper together and like make things kiss and and and, and so that it all presents presents the right way you know these ads are not, none of these ads were meant to be framed right and so they don't all cooperate nicely and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't so anyways I'm filming and um and yeah I I end up just missing my mark right I, I it's lined up wrong and oh my god I think my wife was um my wife was home I think the kids were they were at daycare and I mean I like the f-bomb and I just like lost my mind I I think I literally just like I got so upset I didn't even try to see if I could fix it I remember just crumpling the ad in my hand and throwing it I was it's like real I was I must have been so red in the face. My veins, my neck were pulsating. I was like probably shaking. I was so bad for like 30 seconds, right? Like just, oh my, I just couldn't believe it. And to this day, I've never found that out again. And that person still wants it. And I talked to them like last month. I still have not found that, that one ad. So again, talk about like, man, I had it all ready to go, ready to get, you know, the project was ready. He was going to pay me. Everything was in the works. And I, it happens, right? It's a, I'm a human, right? Like we're, uh, this, none of this is done by a machine, right? There's a human element to this. And, and I, I allow myself to have some degree of imperfection, right? Because it's impossible sometimes to be perfect, right? Like I'm, we're, I'm dealing with paper. I'm not Rolex. I'm not a factory with like all this precision lasers and machinery. Like I'm, I'm a person and I have hands and, 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 and trust me, I'm super, super careful. And, uh, and, and I have a pretty high degree of um, quality control. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, you know, w when I landed that page and it was just, it was misaligned, 
I just hated it right away. And I just, like I said, crumpled it up and I just like went ballistic on myself. And, um, you know, eventually you cool down and it's not the end of the world. And, you know, I, I, you, you write an email to the person right after and you explain what happened. And, you know, he was super understanding. I think he appreciated, you know, that I was, you know, striving for like, you know, perfection. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, mean, I have other stories too, where I've, you know, screwed up an ad and, um, sometimes I can fix it. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes it's like get, reaching out to the person being like, Hey, I just dropped uh, an exacto knife on your ad and there's a hole in it now. <laughs> <laughs> and can you wait? Can I find you a new one? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it's not, it's not common, right? Like that's such a, it's a very low percentage of the time that that stuff happens, but yeah, mistakes happen, man. I don't know. I'm sure a watchmaker or a dealer has had the same thing happen, you know? Of course. And they fix something. I mean, that the important thing is you keep in touch with people and you let them know what's happening. And, um, you know, and, and when that, that frame will eventually get done, like I said, that person is still, still hanging in there. And um, when they do get it, um, they'll have that story to tell. So when someone comes over their house for dinner, they can not only talk about the ad, that it's a hard ad to find, right? Like I've had one in a year, but they can also talk about this was attempt number two. You know, because the first one, what happened? Um, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into, you know, making things happen. So it, it definitely, you know, usually it goes smooth and usually it goes really according to plan. And um, certainly, you know, the, the end product on Instagram, let's say, or the website, you know, the finished product looks like, you know, looks great. But um, yeah, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears sometimes. I mean, I've cut myself before and, you know, tried not to bleed on that. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff. So obviously a large portion of, the ads that you sell are, you know, vehicle based now, Porsche, Land Rover, Mercedes, and you get requests for things like the Eames chair and whatnot. But do you see yourself like really expanding and starting to really stock ads for other luxury collectibles and jewelry and stuff like that? Uh, I do. I don't know the percentage, but I, I would say watch ads are still a pretty, you know, heavily, heavy percentage of, of what I do, which is fine. Um, you know, right now, yeah. I mean, the car stuff is great. The auto stuff, there's always been travel sprinkled in, but yeah, I mean, my background is fashion retail. So I worked at Nordstrom, which is a really well-known big department store in the U S I, I sold women's shoes, men's shoes. So I'm familiar with, you know, fashion and, and, uh, and yeah, I, I personally have um, a really strong desire to share more ads from, uh, different, uh, different products um, of course. because they're, they're beautiful. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I want something, you know, we all, we all, we love stuff, right? Um, whether it's a car um, or a handbag or cameras. And, and when you can find something that is related to the, to an object that you save up for, that you collect, that you lust after, when you can find something that's, you know, authentic, original, and, you know, is, is part of that object's history, you know, kind of almost sometimes the origin, you know, where it started or, or from a day and age when it wasn't collectible, you know, when it was a utility, when the price was crazy low or whatever, you know, um, I, I think that, um, I think that resonates with people and, uh, yeah, you know, for example, I do have the website now I'm constantly working on the website, you know, updating it. You know, I have a lot of fun things in the works for the site, um, this year. But um, I have a, I have a section on there. It's called uh, fashion and lifestyle, and you know there's a there's an area there called, with Chanel, you know, and Chanel is obviously a it's a it's a fashion brand. It's it's clothing, 
couture, it's, um, you know, it's, it's fragrances, it's, um, it's a lifestyle. And, um, you know, there's a lot of great Chanel ads just showing a perfume bottle. You know, they're just, just a nice, pretty ad, you know, the color. I think a lot of fashion ads, I don't know if it's the nature of the, you know, the industry or the, the people, the people, creative people, but a lot of fashion ads, they tend to just be more beautiful. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like they're just, they're, they're just the colors and the, the layout and the, um, the ambiance and the aura is, is less, sometimes less product and, and more of a, of a, of a picture or an image or a scene. And so they, they lend themselves, a lot of fashion ads lend themselves well to framing, you know, watch ads are, are the same way sometimes, you know, or car ads, you know, sometimes we talked about the Daytona ad earlier, you know, or the Matterhorn, you know, it's a great image. It's a picture of a hand holding onto a mountain and you just, you know, you could picture that photograph. If you took off the words, uh, you could picture that photograph in the gallery of, a, of, a, of the, you know, the photography wing of a museum, you know, just this really nice black and white, you know, photograph. And so I think a lot of fashion ads, you know, have that vibe to them, that feel. And I think there's a lot of people out there that would, would appreciate an ad for those, um, those products because they use them. You know, uh, we have on our home, we have a Chanel ad framed from 1947 and it's crazy to think how old it is. Right. And it's, it's it's post-war it's, um, and, uh, you know, trust me, my wife and I, you know, we have two young kids and, and we are not, we don't go out on date nights. You know, we, we don't dress up. We don't, you know, put on perfume. Um, and, and so I think the reason I love that ad is because it, it sort of represents um, an aspiration, right? Like a goal, like, hey, let's someday we'll get to this point in our life where we can kind of rekindle some of that, you know, um, going out and dressing up and, you know, putting on perfume because maybe our kids will be a little older and we'll be able to, you know, and, and so you, you want, we want to, you know, you aspire to have that, um, that lifestyle, you know, that, 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 you know, calm, grown up, you know, kind of fancy lifestyle, but it's not, it's not, it's not happening right now. And, and the ad fills in. Right. And so when I see that ad, it reminds me like, Hey, you know what? You'll get there one day, you know, you'll be able to kind of, you know, do something luxurious. Um, but also that ad reminds me of, you know, fashion and, and working in retail. I, I worked in shoe department and right across from the shoe department was always the cosmetics department. Right. So, you know, I have a correlation to that. And, um, and it's also just a beautiful picture and it's super old and it's just the idea of holding this piece of paper that's, that's that old and, and, and not knowing how that ad came to be. You know, I don't know if that bottle of perfume in that ad is a photograph or, or, or a drawing. I don't know. And, and that's part of also what I want to do and the service that I want to offer to people is tell the history of ads. And because, you know, a watch collector, there's so many great resources to learn the history of a GMT or, or Royal Oak. And I want to be able to share with people more information about ads, you know, who, who's the agency, you know, who are the, who are the photographers, where did it, where did it come from? How did this photo shoot go down? Cause I think that's all important stuff to know and that collectors want to know, and it's going to help people appreciate more and also get them hooked more. And it's going to find, um, they're going to, people are going to find, you know, it's going to strike a chord with certain people. And so, um, yeah, that's a goal for 2023. And I have some stuff in the works, uh, also to, um, you know, share more about the history of ads, not just my personal history, sourcing and experience framing and handling and the availability. I can always give people that education, right? But um, the, the more scholarly education, you know, the more academic education, the more industry education about the process and, and magazines being published and 
you know, hopefully I get to talk to people this year about that kind of stuff that have been in the industry that are retired and, um, you know, just get little bits of information and, and start piecing it together. I think that's one of the exciting things about being in this area is being able to, um, try to piece it all together and then figure out how do I, how do I get this information out there? You know, I can't do it all myself. So do I bring somebody on to help write about stuff and, you know, post stuff, you know, we'll see. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot more than just selling ads. It's, it's really a whole experience and, um, you know, welcoming them into your life. Ultimately people are hanging them on their walls and, uh, you know, it's, it's a form of art. Um, I think, uh, we tend to hang things up on our walls that, um, that we love, you know, pictures of family or vacations or, or, you know, we, we follow photo- you know, a, photo- a photographer that we, we love. You want to hang up their work and, um, you know, watches or, or automobiles, they're, they're such a big part of people's lives that it makes sense to have something from that um, on, on the wall. And, and some of the people that created these ads, you know, those are the artists that um, are important to, to, to us. You know, whoever created the Matterhorn ad, I don't know who it is, but I want to know the man or woman who created that ad. And once I know that, you know, that, that's, that name is going to become a household name because I'm going to let people know. And we want to give credit to those people who created these great ads um, and, and celebrate their work. That's their life's work. You know, they worked at an agency and they had such a, they played such a vital role in, you know, getting the word out and then perhaps getting people hooked just like I got hooked on ads on watches through the ads. Um, it's just fun to be able to kind of showcase this, this, this work of, of people and, um, and not have it thrown away. <laughs> Absolutely. How many watches or how many watch ads rather would you say are in your personal collection? And do you have one of that is maybe a standout favorite? Um, yeah, I don't, in my personal collection, I, I don't know. I'm probably, I'm probably hanging on to like, I don't know, maybe a dozen, you know, stuff that's, you know, ad, and they're not all watch ads. They're ads that are hung up around, around our home. You know, the one that I will say is my favorite is not a watch ad. It is a Cartier ad. It is, um, it's a, it's a larger, a larger page, which is cool. Um, again, talking about scale and, uh, it's a larger page and it's, a it's, it's an ad from the late nineties and it is, um, basically a, a panther looking in a, a window. I absolutely love that advertisement. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of favorites. Yeah. You know, there's never one reason why I do something or like something. I think, you know, one of the reasons is, you know, we have two young kids and, um, I didn't grow up in a family that collected things. And uh, I like that our kids get to interact with these ads and they get to see me work on a daily basis doing what I do because, you know, I essentially work from home. And I love that they're around all this, but they don't know what it is exactly, right? Um, so they're around watches, they're around these wonderful vintage ads for these brands and, you know, things that, you know, are very luxurious, cost a lot of money, are very sought after, you know, uh, and, but, but, but the, the Cartier ad, you know, they see a panther, right? Like th- that's what they see. They see an animal and, and that's what I love, right? Like they, they interact with that ad in a way that is so like innocent and so like without any of the, without any knowing what Cartier is, they're not thinking about jewels. They're not thinking about prices. They're not thinking about Paris. They're not thinking about, you know, the things that we go to first, 
that's the very last thing on their mind, right? Right. The best thing for me about that advertisement is that Cartier decided, one, I, I just love Cartier and anyone that knows me knows I love Cartier, but they took a, a, a line of products that they already made under that name and they just brought it to life in a really, really fun, creative and simple way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an ad that has performed well over the years. It's, it's on the higher end. It's 995 framed. I have one now available. It's in absolutely perfect condition. And, um, again, it's, it's in our home. And to this day, I mean, I look at it every day and I never get tired of it. Like I, I just, it's just, it's just a nice image the colors, you know, when you get up close and see it in person, like the paper quality, one, somebody who was, who who ended up buying it, um, you know, I was describing it to them and I called, I called the paper, I called it sumptuous. And, um, they were like, Nick, stop. You, 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 I'm I'm sold at sumptuous. You don't need to say anything else. Right. Because (laughs) you know, these, again, people don't, people have interacted with watches forever. Right. And, but, but not everyone's interacted with an ad, like the actual paper. And, And it's an experience, right? Like when you, when you see that paper behind glass and you see the dimensionality and the tactility and, and you see the, 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 the character and, and the, um, you, you know, it's real, right? It comes and to life. Just, and and, and it, it's very dynamic, right? It isn't just like this thing that's, you know, photocopied on a piece of, on a perfect piece of paper on a perfect board. You know, it's a real living thing behind glass. And that's something that I've had to really come to terms with. You know, what does a perfect frame look like? What does a perfect page look like? And that's something that I'm still, you know, determining today. You know, I mean, so much of collecting things, you know, condition and grading stuff and, and pricing stuff based on condition. It's such a big topic. And, and that's, that's part of my world too, you know, and it's, it's also, it's very subjective. And, and when no one else does what I do, I'm setting the standard, right? Um, I've had plenty of people, you know, I, I mean, I've, you know, bought things from people and, and, and their idea of perfect is not my idea. And I'll be like, you know, sorry, I, w- I would have bought that, but I see fingerprint stains on it. You know, it's just not, I just can't do it. You know, I don't really want to have that. You know, I don't want to offer that, you know, and, um, and turning things down. Sometimes that's an opportunity for someone to get something great at a great, at a really low price too. You know, like some of these ads we mentioned, if I had them and they were in really poor condition, it would be priced accordingly. And so, um, you know, just like a watch, you know, a, a watch with a service dial is less than one with an original dial. Um, but yeah, the Cartier Panther, again, that's, that's, um, in our home. It's, it's, we move it around to different, different, um, I'm always moving frames around and then that, that's moved around to different rooms of the house. And, um, but that one still, it really brings me a lot of joy. I had somebody get it. Uh, someone received it as a Christmas gift, uh, recently. And, um, they ended up calling me on the phone and telling me that they got it and they were so happy with it. And that was such a nice call to hear. The, you know, when someone picks up the phone and calls you to tell you that they, you know, they unwrapped this, this framed, you know, Cartier Panther ad and that it was like, it was everything they, they hoped and more. Um, and that ad delivers. I mean, I will say that ad delivers every time. It is never a letdown at all. No, it's, it's, uh, it's never wrong. If you could say one thing to watch brands about their current ad- advertising now versus their vintage, if you will, advertising you know, similar to the ads that you sell. If you could say one thing to the brands right now, what would you tell them? Oh, that's a good question too. <laughs> um, are, are brands listening to Collector's Gene? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope so, but maybe not for your sake. <laughs> so there are some good ads out there. I mean, in general, 
there's there's definitely not the, the percentage wise you know there's there's not as many great ads today as there were you know years ago to me i just i look at the advertisements and i i feel that they've just taken photos from their website and put them on a big page there's no emphasis around it once in a while you see a celebrity in an advertisement wearing something but to me they just don't evoke any sort of you know, they don't pull on any sort of heartstrings or anything like that. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, a lot of today, a lot of things sell themselves today. I, I don't know how effective advertising is, like print magazine advertising. I don't know how effective it is selling a product more so than it's just, it's another, it, it's just another way for the brand to be in somebody's field of vision, you know, in their periphery. So I don't, I don't know how much time and energy is being spent creating ads. Now that's not, now listen, I, I, there are ads where I can tell that there's a lot of creative energy and a lot of time and, and energy being spent. You know, there are Gucci ads, for instance, these days that come out that are like, you know, four or five pages. There's like a whole scene. It looks like a Vogue photo shoot. You know, there's obviously a lot that goes into that. Right. But I think that, I don't know, I guess I wish that maybe brands would see it's tricky because, you know, we're in this, we're in this watch community and, and we think, that we're their audience and sometimes we're not right. Like their audience is just sort of the, someone who's not in so deep. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the ads just, I, I wish that they had a little bit more, um, I want to say soul or more. Um, I think that's perfect. <laughs> just kind of like, they're not stopping me in my tracks, you know, they're not compelling me to read. Yeah. They're just not connecting with, with me. You know, but there are some ads like I saw a Rolex ad recently and it was for a Daytona. It was for a white gold Daytona on the rubber strap and um, it's two pages. And, you know, there's images of F1, there's images of Jackie Stewart. And so there's examples out there. And, and I, again, I'm not looking for modern ads on a regular basis. So although this is my world, I may not be the best person to judge because I'm not like I'm seeing them all right. Like I'm. 90% of the time I'm looking at vintage stuff. So I'm very biased towards vintage stuff. I, I think in general, it probably is if we probably is better, but I think that there is an effort being done to make ads that are a bit compelling in, in terms of like, you know, going back and, and making them visual, making them tie into history. Um, you know, is anybody buying that Daytona because of Jackie Stewart? Probably not. You know, are they buying it because there's an F1 car? Maybe that's more so the reason. And F1 has been used in ads going back to the 60s, you know, for, for Rolex. But um, yeah, there, there's just some of the ads are just a little sterile. They're just a little kind of plain. They just kind of feel like they're being done because it's a part of the process. You know, advertising is being done differently now. And, and I think the energy that maybe brands put into like their their content creation on Instagram or their things that they do um, events that they do, you know, those are probably more effective today than, than, than print magazine ads because people aren't reading magazines that much, right? People are going to, people are on Instagram or people are going to events. People are seeing, people are conscious of watching, you know, celebrities and athletes. And, and that's the new way, you know, watches aren't tools anymore. So I don't know that you can advertise them as tools like you could back in the day. And that's part of the reason we love old ads because they're, it's, it's this, 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 um, you know, way that they're being marketed to us, you know, like it's so cool to see an explorer on the hand of somebody grabbing a mountain, right? Like, um, because nobody's wearing their explorer 
1016 to go mountain climbing. Most, most people. Right. And so that's why that ad part of it, that's why it like stands out. So it's like, holy moly, this is just like, wow, this like hits me. This is like so cool. I can imagine, remember the days, you know, someone bought that for like 195 bucks. They got a discount. They were on their, they were on a trip and they wore that watch for 30 years. You know, I think that's part of it. And you can't really recreate that with something modern. You know, there's something about vintage that you just can't create with modern, you know, even when a brand recreates a watch, you know, it, it, they'd make a good, a good, they'd make a good stab at it. But for someone who really loves vintage stuff, it's never going to be equivalent. Right. Um, and, um, but I, I think there's opportunities for brands to do more compelling ads. I think that they've got to be people really nowadays, we're such a visual society. I think with Instagram, especially, you know, I, I know I respond to things, you know, visually first probably. And so, you know, ads have to just be, they have to catch you. They have to they catch your eye. And, you know, when a watch just kind of sits there on a page, like we see, like we see better pictures taken by people on Instagram. We see more cooler, more fun photos by people on Instagram. You know, like there's people that, you know, take great wrist shots. And I'm not even talking about like basic wrist shots. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think the pictures that we see in coffee table books and pictures we see on Instagram, you know, maybe if more of those type of photos were used in an ad rather than, you know, a brand using a, a celebrity it might be more effective, you know, um, just a person who isn't a celebrity, but it's just um, a lifestyle shot of somebody, you know, and well, let's hope they're listening. Yeah. Instead of using a tennis star, like I get it. Like I'm sure people buy watches because Roger Federer is a Rolex, you know, ambassador, right? Um, Roger's probably a really good guy. Um, he's, he's well, I think they great. want to because he's a Rolex ambassador, you know, but I don't, I don't think they necessarily can. Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's it makes total sense to use him in ads, right? And Rolex has used athletes in their ads for the longest time, so you don't need to deviate from that. But um, you know, maybe the way you sh- photograph him, where it doesn't look like he's just like you know he's just sitting in a chair with people all around him and you know what I mean? Like a, a, a cooler, a different setting, you know? Of course. Like if it was a picture of Roger, if there was a Rolex ad with like, you know, him just kind of like with his wife and they had their watches on and it was just like, it looked like a picture Annie Leibovitz took or something. It would be like, that would be sick, right? Like that right. would be amazing. You know, like Louis Vuitton just did an ad with Messi and um, Ronaldo and they're just playing chess and it was shot by Annie Leibovitz, right? And yeah, it was incredible. So right away, like that's an ad and that has, that has an incredible impact on, on, on Louis Vuitton, right? Like, and it's, those are two huge people in the world that are like incredibly followed on Instagram. And, um, that might persuade somebody who never bought a Louis product to go and get a wallet. Right. And, but, but the way that that ad is shot. Yeah, I get it. Like they're probably not, they probably don't play chess. They're, they're sitting over a chess board. Right. And so, yeah, these two probably never played a game of chess in their life, but the way it's shot, it's so believable and it looks so like, I don't know, it just feels. It's, it's a, it's a great shot. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like uh, none of us are going to be framing a, you know, Roger Federer watch portrait uh, for Rolex in our homes. <laughs> oh, but I mean, listen, you'd be surprised. And I, I just think that there's so many talented people out there who, who, who do photographs and who write content and write copy and create, create short movies Again, I think the ads are out there that are great, but I don't think that they're necessarily magazines, perhaps because it's just not worth it because people aren't like reading magazines that much. I don't know. Let's wrap up here with the uh, collector's gym rundown. Sure, man. All right. What's the one that got away? 
Oh man. Yeah, the one that got away. So it's it's very um it's very apparent to me and I still have nightmares. Um it was probably two thousand and uh it was two thousand fourteen. This was before I was on Instagram, before I ever had an, a watch friend, right? I, I met people after I joined Instagram. So I, I had nobody in my corner to um Hey, I need help. Do you think this watch is real? What should I do? And so I had an email from a jeweler, local jeweler. And it said, Hey, Nick, I got a Rolex Daytona Cosmograph. Um, it's from 1978 and, um, it's $7,000. <laughs> he said, if you want, we can polish it and replace the dial with a new one. Uh, let me know if you have any interest. Um, so, I, so I'm reading it because I saved the email, right? Because it's so crazy. I had to, like, this right. is not even like, real life, but I saved the email to prove to people this is real. So that's the email I got from somebody, from a jeweler. And I knew nobody to say, hey, is this like a real watch? Like $7,000 for a vintage Daytona? This is a big red, um, 6265. And uh, I remember going to look at it. And it's funny because he said, um, we, we're going to polish it for you if you want. Like to, like, like to sweeten the deal. Hey, we'll throw in a polish and we'll fix <laughs> yeah. the dial. And, and, and this is a Tiffany & Company dial, by the way. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, even worse. $7,000 I'm being offered a six, in 2014, a 6265 big red Tiffany dial. Um, and it, the condition is insane. Like, it's unpolished. It's, like, it's ridiculous. And I remember going to visit it. I held the watch. I checked it out. And um, I passed on it because I didn't know enough about watches. And and the value movement, the, the pushers are, like, not – equidistant from the crown and uh they're kind of like off balance and um i don't know i just felt like that was a red flag and i I just i didn't get it and um i had a lot more money uh disposable income back then than i do now and uh so yeah that haunts me uh (laughs) to this day um passing up a tiffany daytona for seven thousand bucks that i'm i'm 99 sure it was the real deal Knowing what I know now, going back, as painful as it is to revisit that, that email and the, all those photos, I mean, it's just like the classic photos that someone takes under like a light box with like a wooden ruler to show yeah. you like, it, it, I mean, I'll, I'll send it to you, the link. Yeah, I got to see those photos. Yeah, that got away. <laughs> How about the on-deck circle? What's next for you in collecting? Yeah, honestly, I think, um, look, I always have, I'm a big Rolex lover. As I told you earlier that that was my first brand uh, that I bought 25 years ago. So I have a long history and, and I'll never, I'll never not love old Rolex watches, especially with a story. You know, there's the watches are smaller. They fit my wrist better. So I'll never pass up a great Rolex if it, if it just comes about, um, especially from an original owner, you know, we're talking about just like finding one in the wild, but I think realistically um, I, I'm, I'm really wanting a Cartier tank. Um, I'm just really caught up in the Cartier fever hype. Um, I'm in the process of reading the, the Cartier book right now that's been out there for a few years. My wife bought it for me for Christmas and I'm, I'm, I'm like a hundred pages in and I'm loving it. It's just, just the history of the company going back and you know, how the watch, how the Santos came to be. And it's a great book um, and, and Francesca yeah. amazing too. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm reading it slow, deliberately, um, just to like, soak in the details and, and try to like really memorize the names and the facts. But, um, yeah, a Cartier, it's just, um, you know, there's a lot of tanks out there. I got to do a little research cause there's all different metals and different movements and different price points. And, but, um, I, I think I, I love a lot about what the tank 
to me, you know, kind of stands for over time and, and, and today. And um, so I can really get behind that. And I think that's just realistic from a, from a price point. I, I, it might even be a quartz one that I get, you know, it's really about, not about having like the, you know, something from the sixties, you know, it's, it's about just having one that I just, I like the, I, it's got good, it's got good bones and it's got a good soul to it. And, you know, so we'll see, but yeah, a tank I think is, um, is in the cards. I'm excited to see which one you go for. At some point, putting in my due diligence, reading the book first. So, um, good work. <laughs> How about the unobtainable? Maybe when you can have it's too expensive, or in a private collection, maybe a museum. Um. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna give you another Rolex answer. I know it's boring, but uh, a couple years ago, there's an auction house in Chicago um, that I would go to, and uh, you know, they got a lot of like. Um, cool uh sale uh you know things from estates and stuff you know not like collectors just you know i imagine a lot of big auction houses they get things from collectors it's been owned a few times but they had a fresh to market um paul newman daytona and it had box and papers it was unpolished it was um 6239 you know a white panda dial it was it was incredible and, and i got to spend some time with it i knew the person who ran the watch department and, you know, so I got to be in a, in a room with it and spend some time with it and just, you know, take some pictures. And uh, the watch was obviously going to be too much, right? But, I mean, but at the time, you know, a lot less than it would be today. And so it was it was, it was was a bit unobtainable then still. It's more unobtainable now. And, and I don't know where it ended up, right? Like someone was – I was in the room when it got auctioned. I remember um, sitting right next to a fellow uh, collector's gene radio guest, Jason Freed. And uh, yes. uh, I think he bid on it. I don't think he went as high as it went. Um, but uh, we were sitting next to each other uh, in, in the in the auction room. And yeah, it went to somebody and uh, they got an amazing watch. I mean, it was literally like, it was worn, but like unpolished. And like the patina was perfect. There was no, the plots were perfect. They were not missing. They were like creamy. I mean, it was the one. And uh, so I don't know where it is now. Um, it would probably be, you know, three times the price or more because they had box and papers. But yeah, I mean, that's the one where I'm like, Man, I kind of wish I just liquidated my 401k in 2016 when it was available and bought it. <laughs> you know, um, that would have been a hell of a story. But I, I would wear it. So that's the thing. Like, I, I would never, I wouldn't buy it and save it. I would wear it. I would wear it. No, you got to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm big on wearing stuff. You and I both. How about the page one rewrite? So if you could collect anything besides watches and advertisements, what would it be? Yeah, I don't have any like, fancy taste to be like, oh, I would love to collect Picassos. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think being a dad and having two kids, I wish that I um, was collecting Legos over the years. <laughs> yeah. Um, Save you from buying them well, now. Yeah. I mean, you know, Legos are collectible. I mean, you know, there's people that run into like a Lego store, buy everything and stash it and then, you know, sell it on eBay for more. But there's just a lot of, you know, being very, I mean, I was into Legos as a kid. Um, I, my mom saved them for me. Um, and so I was able to kind of bring them out when our son, I think I brought them out when he was like two. He was very young still, but I ended up kind of rebuilding a lot of the sets that I had when I was a kid, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s. And, you know, our, our, my whole life as a dad, um, Legos have been part of our our life, you know, um, building sets with him. And, and they're just such a good uh you know, toy, for lack of a better word, to learn so many important skills. You know, he learns to count, follow directions, be patient, you know, it's just, it's just, you'd be creative. And yeah, I mean, the, 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 you can't just buy sets all the time because they're expensive and especially older ones. 
Um, there's so many great sets out there. And uh, I wish that I just had like a bunch of them over the years. You know, even if I just bought like five a year and they were, and I went and I, and you know, we would just go through them now and it would be so fun to just have like a hundred sets sealed and just start opening them all and just building them all with, with my son and daughter. That would be such a cool experience. And I mean, you can do that, right? Like I can buy these sets. They just cost a lot of money. And I did it once, you know, before our son was born, I bought a Ferrari F40 and, you know, it was probably a hundred bucks or something. Um, But, you know, and and, and he's built it. Um, But I wish I did that, you know, before I even thought to have kids, you know, in like, you know, in 2000, I go to the mall and, and buy a set for 50 bucks and now we build it today. And if you wanted to buy that set today, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it's the Roby house of Frank Lloyd Wright. And, um, you know, to buy that set today, it's $400, you know, and maybe the box has been opened and it's been built. And to be able to have bought it back then, 10 years ago, uh, for 50 bucks and have it saved and now crack it open, that would have been a cool feeling. So yeah, I'd probably go back and um, collect more Legos. That's great. Sorry. I know that's not a sophisticated, fancy answer, but um, no, I love, I love that stuff. Real, it's like the real talk I gave you with, uh, you know, crumbling up an ad and <laughs> crazy. No, it's, um, th- those are great answers. That's, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. How about the goat? Who do you look up to in the collecting world? Gosh, there's, I mean, I know so many people who have amazing watches, whether it's one watch or a bunch. Uh, I think for me, you know, collecting is a journey. It's an adventure. Collecting is something that I think is enjoyed with people you know, sharing um, experiences, ups and downs. Again, you know, the way I do the ads, I talk to people and it, it makes it more enjoyable, you know, collecting them or, or showcasing them. Or even if someone just buys one, they want to be proud of it, you know, just doing it in a, in a, with a sense of kind of um, collectiveness. So I, I think that the collectors that I, I t- always come to my mind that I really love, like enjoy and, and, and paying attention to are, are people who are friends of mine because I've seen them collect over the years and I've been with them uh, when they found stuff. Right. And, and, and I've shared, they've, they've, I get to know the inside story of how they found something. And that's really interesting to me. You know, sometimes a collector might pop something up on Instagram and it's like, Oh wow. So-and-so just got this, but you don't know how they got it. Right. You don't know if they bought it from a dealer or what. And so for me, um, three people that I, um, admire and uh, think they have great collections and, and I look forward to watching their collections grow, um, would be my friend, Justin Brackus. Yep who is, uh, is in Wisconsin. He's a, a watch dealer. He also collects many other things. My friend, uh, Andrew, T-Swiss T. Amazing collection. Uh, and, and Rob um, Bazamu. So those are all um, names people might know, um, but I'm very fortunate to yes. um, them for a long time. I mean, I can remember the early days with, 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 with Rob and, and Andrew and um, to see where they're at now and to see their taste change, evolve, you know, for them to, you know, you know, get rid of examples, replace examples, you know, fall out of love with something, buy it again, to know the stories about how they found stuff, you know, so-and-so sent them an email or they had to drive here. You know, I kind of live vicariously through them. You know, I don't have the time these days to hunt watches. They do. Oh, well, I mean, they're, they're busy too, but that's kind of their side project that they do is, you know, collect watches. And, And my side project is running this business, which takes a lot of time. And so I, I don't get to do the same hunting that they do on a daily basis. Um, so, um, yeah, they don't, unfortunately, Rob and Andrew, uh, they used to be local here in Chicago and they, they moved away. Um, so I don't see them as much. And so that's, I miss them. And uh, I miss, you know, sharing a beer with them and, and really getting the scoop on, on a watch that they found. And, and they have impeccable taste and their condition is always really great. And they're smart guys and they're very willing to share information. And I think that's 
part of what makes a great collector is um, collecting in a variety of ways and also, you know, not keeping it all to yourself, you know, sharing it and then helping people. Couldn't agree more. I think you answered this one earlier, but do you enjoy the hunt or the ownership more? Um, I don't know if I answered it. I think it's, um, I think when you find, when you, when you're, when you truly find something, an object that you love, I think you loved the process and you love the ownership. Some people just kind of love the chase and then they get, once that's over with, you know, it's it's kind of like a little bit of a, you know, it deflates a little bit and then they kind of like move on to something else. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of a 50, 50 person. I, you know, it's like you, you definitely, the, 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 definitely the, I, I'm a little bit more on the, the hunt side, right? Um, cause I just crave the hunt, the getting my hands dirty, the story, the chasing it. But when you, when you, when that, whatever you obtain, whether it's a watch or when it's, when it's right, it's it's as satisfying as the everything that led up to it. Yeah, it's always nice to enjoy said thing. Yeah, yeah, you want to yeah you want to enjoy the object at the end of the day, and and with watches you can because you can wear them, and and ads you can because you can visually see them, right? Like you can put it on your wall, and you can look at it, and you can enjoy it. You know, it's not on your wrist, but it's like your wall is the wrist. So yeah, I mean, I mean, the, I have a couple watches. I have you know uh, one of my old explorers. Um, you know, I love the hunt and I love finding it, how I, how I ended up acquiring it, but I also wear it like almost, I've worn it, you know, to this right now at this moment, I've had it on over a hundred days straight and I love wearing it. Right. I look at it and it's, it's beautiful. I love the scratches. I love the perfect dial under the crystal. I love watching the crystal get all, you know, crazy swirls and stuff on it. Uh, I love my kids touching it. Um, I love, I fell asleep with it on the other night. Um, and so I love the ownership and wearing it and enjoying it. But I loved going back. If I can, you know, back in 2017, when I got that email from somebody and said they had one and it was the grandson of the original owner and all the things that led up to it, you know, the emails, the back and forth, meeting the person at Starbucks, eventually buying it in a parking lot, paying for it on the hood of a car with a cashier's check, uh, you know, like that was all very exciting too. You know, I saw that that's the kind of thing in in a perfect world. you, You love you love all aspects of it and it just never fades. You know, like the, 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 the joy never really fades. Um, it's always there. Love it. Most importantly, do you feel that you were born with the collector's gene? Yeah, I do. I think um, <laughs> I want to have a lot of stuff. You know, it's, it's a terrible phrase and it's probably like a horrible thing to say. Um, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I get, I understand what I want and why I want it. I think that's really important. You know, I think you have to know why you're buying stuff and why you're collecting stuff. You know, it, it's, it's for me, it's, an, it's, 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 you know, it, sometimes it goes back to like my, the watch that I bought, you know, 25 years ago. It's, you know, you're making money. You want to spend money on something. Yeah. You have to, you have to take care of responsibilities first. And, and a lot of things I don't own today that I want to own that I want to be irrational and buy, but I have responsibilities. I have kids, I have a business. But um, yeah, I hope to acquire more watches. I hope to have some more cool pieces of furniture. I hope to buy some vintage Lego sets that are, you know, crazy priced. Maybe I'll have a cool, uh, cool car one day. I don't know. But uh, I definitely want to have more stuff. And I, and I think what makes it really, what makes it feel good is that, you know, I'm not doing it by myself. You know, I'm doing it with people, you know, people who are helping me along the way with, with uh, advice. And also 
people are enjoying it with me. You know, my kids will enjoy everything I buy. You know, my wife will enjoy everything I buy, you know, and I think that's important. You know, I'm not buying anything to put it on a shelf. Um, it's, it's for, for people around, it's for people who come to our house. You know, if, if I buy an old travel poster and it costs a thousand dollars, you know, I want people who come over our house to have dinner, to see it and to think it's cool and to look at it. And then for me to talk to them about it and to like, maybe, maybe get them interested in it. And maybe they don't buy an original, maybe they buy a replica, but it's, it's fun to share this stuff. It's not something I want to just have all to myself. You know, it makes it, it makes it worthwhile or justified. I don't know. There you have it. Nick from Ad Patina. Thank you so much for coming on to Collector's Gene Radio. Uh, it's been truly a pleasure to chat with you and I, I can't wait to follow along for the future of, of everything you're working on. Yeah, man. Thank you again for the opportunity. This is a really uh, awesome way to start 2023 and, uh, you know, look forward to uh, more of the guests that you guys have on the show. I appreciate it. You take care. Thanks, Cameron. All right. That does it for this episode. Thank you all for listening to Collector's Gene Radio.